This is a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org. A series, uh, a, a, a preach in a series called Gagging Jesus. And we've been looking at what Jesus said. And the tendency has been for us to try and kind of shield ourselves from what he actually says because it's inconvenient or it's not very, very nice. And so we are in this series trying to ungag Jesus, to try and get to the bottom of what Jesus actually said and what he meant. So we've looked at stress, we've looked at anger, forgiveness, politics, possessions. We've looked at divorce and remarriage. And last week we had a look at community. Today we're going to speak, my dad and I, on family, and family is so important. I think that um, family gets to be attacked left, right, and center by the devil um, today because it's so important, it's so powerful. Um, I'd have you know that yesterday was a very difficult day for me for some reason, and I've put it down to God not wanting us to hear what he has to say about family. Um, just to share a bit about that. Um, yesterday I was supposed to do an operation in the afternoon on a family member of a colleague. So this was a grandma of one of my colleagues and uh, we actually joke around in the medical profession that relatives of family tend to complicate a lot. The, when you're treating somebody's relative, it's, it's not straightforward. What is supposed to be simple turns out not to be. And so I went out in the afternoon hoping to do a two-hour operation. Long story short, I got home at midnight yesterday. Um, the operation went well, but things were not quite the way they were supposed to be at some point. When I got home, um, we lost power in the house, and then Tina had a terrible night. She just couldn't sleep very well. And so as I was pondering these things, I thought that Perhaps God doesn't want us to hear what he has to say this morning. Not because of what I'm going to say, but I want you to open your hearts, open your minds, open your ears to God, what God might be saying to you this morning concerning family. Jesus' words can be very surprising, and his meaning can be even more surprising. And we've seen that over the past few weeks as we've been looking at the different topics. I'm going to start my talk this morning in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 22, where Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. What had happened is that a young man had come to him and offered to follow Jesus and said he actually requested, can I be one of your disciples? Can I follow you? And then Jesus says to him, you follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. That's because he had asked if he could just take some time and go back and bury his father. How would you feel? If you'd gone to Jesus and you'd asked, can I just have a few days? I just need to go and bury my father. Then I'll come and I'll follow you. And then Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. Would you be angry? 
Would you be confused? Would you be offended? Have you ever been offended by anyone in any position of authority in the church? Maybe a life group leader, worship leader, focus group leader, maybe even the elder. What happens when you're offended is that usually you are supposed to go and try and talk to this person and show them how you feel or kind of clear the air with them. And if that fails, you're supposed to appeal to somebody higher. I wish we were all mature to do that. Um, people don't usually do that. Sometimes people just sulk, they leave the church, they hurt, they go away. But imagine when that person who offends you is Jesus. Who do you appeal to now? Who do you go and say, listen, Jesus said something quite unfeeling to me. So we need to look at what did Jesus actually mean, because as we've learned over the past few weeks, he says something that's pretty harsh, very harsh in fact, but he means well. So let's get some context. Jesus was the son of God, the only son of God, and he came on earth as a man. He was born into a family. So in case you think Jesus must have felt, said this because he, you know, he just came down from heaven, we need to realize that actually he was born into a family. He had a mother, Mary. He had an earthly father, Joseph. He had brothers. We're told in scripture that James and Joseph and Judas and Simon were his brothers. And he had some sisters whose names are not mentioned in the Bible. So he had a family. We know that he attended weddings and funerals. And who knows what else he attended that people gathered around that wasn't recorded in the Bible. He visited the sick. We have a record where he visited Simon's mother-in-law at some point. She was ill. And he went to their house, took time out of his ministry, the public ministry, went into their house, and he prayed for this woman, and she became well. We know that Jesus loved children. Matthew 19, 14 is a very um, popular passage. It says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the, children of, for the kingdom of heaven is made for such as these. So Jesus was very family-oriented. He was very much into family. He loved family. He loved children especially. And he said that if we're not like children in our approach to the kingdom of God, we will not inherit it. So Jesus is pro-family. And if we think about it, it's because God designed family. God made things to be the way that they are. From Adam and Eve, all the way throughout history, communities have been centered around the family unit. With a mother and father and children, and then the extended family. We even have expressions in our language like blood is thicker than water, which essentially kind of means that your, your, your immediate family, your relationship with your immediate family is more important than anything else that you can have outside of that. And that, these expressions, they help us to describe the intimacy, the identity, the knitted togetherness, the commonality that family provides. 
And so when Jesus says to the young man, let the dead bury their own dead, he is not discarding family. He's not saying family is not important. But what he's doing is actually ushering in a new understanding, a new way of life. That the family that is now important is not just the family that you were born into by your bloodline, but the family of the kingdom of God. Something more fundamental than genetics, something stronger than blood, something closer than physical proximity now binds us together. And Mark shared from Mark 3 um, last week, Mark 3 verse 31, where Jesus actually says, who are my mother and my brothers? Whoever does the will of God, the same is my brother and sister and mother. What had happened at this time is that his family had come looking for him. He was busy preaching. He'd been performing some miracles. And we're told in the Bible that actually they were crowded by people that they had forgotten to eat. They couldn't eat, Jesus and his disciples. And his families came to take charge of him. They'd come to kind of take him back and say, look, my son, look, my brother, this is not how you do it. You need to take a break and eat. And looking around at the crowd, he had said these words, that my mother and my brother and my sister are those that do the will of God. So Jesus is actually saying that this new life is of greater worth than your earthly family. Think of that. Think about that for a moment. The kingdom of heaven, Christianity, the Christian walk is of greater worth than your earthly family. And secondly, that there's an aspect of urgency to it. It's not like come and join us when you can. When you have decided to go for the kingdom, come now. The moment is now. So there's that aspect of urgency where we must cast off anything that hinders us, even if it means casting off your earthly family. If that prevents you from fully engaging with the kingdom family, then it needs to be done. So don't put off for a minute any longer those things that hinder fellowship in God's family. And if you come to think of it, Burying your father can be anything. I think the example in the Bible is very good because I think that's kind of really crucial. Family is really crucial, and Jesus knew that. But burying your father can be anything. It can be finishing off your education. It can be getting married. It can be starting a family. It can be raising kids. And you may say to God, well, I'm coming, but let me just finish off this little bit of my business then I'll come fully committed after that. But Jesus is saying, no, don't make excuses for not following Jesus' now and not following him completely. So I'm kind of here to show you that we actually have a bigger family, a better family in the kingdom of God than was given to us in the place where you're born. So before I hand over to my dad who's coming up shortly, I just want to outline a few of the benefits of this new family 
and the fellowship of believers. The first thing and most important thing I think is that we have a perfect father. When you come to Christ, when you come to Christianity, when you join a church, it's not the elders that are the ultimate. It's not the elders or the Pope even that is the highest authority. We are coming to a father, a father who is in heaven, who is a perfect father. And many of us have not experienced what it is like to have a perfect father. Father may be good, but no one is perfect. Our heavenly father is perfect in every way. The Bible says there's no shadow of turning in him. And so we're coming to a family where our father is perfect. He does things right. He does not abuse us. He does not overwork us. He does not overload us with work. He does not over-discipline us. He does everything appropriately and to the right measure. And he loves us. His love for us is not dependent on our performance. It's not dependent on whether or not we do things right. His love for us is shared abroad to everyone. And it's available to you and to me. The second thing about this family is that it is perfectly constituted. Some of us have come from families where mom and dad are separated. You've come from parent, uh, situations where one or both of your parents have passed on. Perhaps you've come from a family where you don't even know who your mom or your dad is. But when you come to church, when you come to the body of Christ, you now have fathers and mothers within the church. We now have people who have that role in your life. And I pray that as a church, we be diligent in providing or in opening our doors to children amongst us. People in need of fathers, people in need of mothers. Don't shut them out. Don't just carry on with your own life and be ignorant to the fact that there are some people who really need that figure in their lives. We're coming also to brothers and to sisters. I myself come from a family of boys. We just didn't have sisters growing up. And that's how God designed our family. But when I joined a church, I suddenly have sisters to relate to. It is a more complete family. It is more representative of how God intended everything to be. We also have granddads and grandchildren. Those couples that have trouble having children, and they're there. This is real. You can have children within the context of a church. And so my appeal to us as a church, as a body, as a family this morning, is that we open our eyes to the fact that we have a greater role than the one that we play in our immediate biological family. And the last thing that's very important is that we have a helper in all this. When I said that our family is perfectly constituted, this kingdom family, some of you might have thought, well, that's not true. We are so different. They're white, they're black, young and old, rich and poor. It's actually more doomed to fail, in a sense, than the family that you were born in. But we have a helper. And I'm going to read, in closing, closing this section, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, which is a whole chapter 
talking about how God reconciled Jew and Gentile in himself. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the true groups, that's Jew and Gentile, he has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both to them, both of them, to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Praise be to God. Good, I'm going to ask my dad to come up. Who is your brother? He's going to carry on from here. Well said, Simba. Um, greetings from Marandera. Uh, it is a church where I'm part of, and when they know that I'm coming up to speak, they always say, please go and greet them, and we wish them well. They're thinking of you, and they're praying with you. We actually have our services at the same time, exactly the same time. So the one who is preaching there is preaching exactly the same time as I am. And I brought with me my wife, Opa. I always want you to know her because she is a pillar in terms of prayer for us. As a family, we, we find treasure. We have discovered this secret that praying together does not only knit us and make us stronger as a couple, but it also gives us a lot of strength to serve. So she's really a pillar into this. And uh, of course, she didn't know what I'm planning to preach on, but uh, she prays for us so that our presentations are not just good, nice words, but that they are words that will affect lives and affect people. I'm taking it on from where Simba left. <clears throat> I want you to know that God values family. Uh, he values us as a family and as a kingdom people. He values every one of us. Perhaps you are here, maybe you're just testing waters, you haven't quite decided that you want to belong to a church. Church is a place where family really does well. Church is a place where you are taught how to live a life. In church, you are taught how to nurture your own children. Church is a place where you are taught to relate to other people that are maybe of, not of your caliber, but you learn things together and you really have a place where you grow. So, before I go on to what I'm uh, supposed to share with you, I want to persuade you to make a decision to belong and to always be in a church because it's a right place. Hallelujah. I would like you to respond a little bit. <laughs> you can say amen. <laughs> it may not be your culture. It doesn't matter. But uh, there's something important about you responding to. Um, the, my first scripture is Ephesians chapter 6. I, I'm not going to dwell there for a long time. But it is important that I, I read this particular one because I found something very interesting there. 
and you will understand not so long from now why I'm choosing this. Ephesians chapter 6, you will hear the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He's quoting almost like an, an Old Testament uh, scripture. And this is what he says. Some of you will remember that this was part of the commandment. And this is what he says, verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He simply says, obey your parents because it is right. And then he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commands with promise. Verse 3, he says, that it may be well with you and you may live long on earth. I know that some of us don't want to live that long, but it, there is a promise there. If you want to live long, honor your parents. Obey your parents, respect them. Just a few weeks ago, we had a, a men's camp where we, uh, we, we called it uh, getaway type. We went away for a, for a day, and one of our presenters actually chose that we, we, we look in Ephesus, but we did not look at verse 1 and 3. We looked at verse 4. Whereas fathers, we were challenging each other that we do not provoke our children. In other words, we look after them, we care for them, we, we nurture them, but we admonish them to love the Lord. But the opposite is also true, that when children are obedient, uh, if you go through Proverbs, you'll find those children that obey their parents, they make their lives very easy and comfortable. It's so important that wherever you are, whether born in a, a Christian family or not, obey your parents. But that's where my point comes as well. Because we are realizing that in many occasions when Jesus was talking and challenging people to follow him, he also said, anyone, according to Luke 14, says anyone who wants to follow me more than their fathers, uh, who, who, who loves their fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters more than me, they're not worth of me. That's big, eh? And like Simba said, he's not making a comparison whether we are loving our parents more or our family more than Jesus. But he's actually saying, there's much more to loving me than just belonging to your family. Having read from what Paul is instructing the Ephesians, he's actually saying, I want you to obey your parents. And I'm getting here to in a situation where I realize that some of us, even when we are obeying our parents, sometimes we obey them even to, the, to an extent where it's not honoring to God. There are some people who are really, really um, out of context in this one because their obedience to the Lord I was going to I, I was tempted to try and say especially the African family but I've realized it's actually more than just the African family as well there are many of us from different backgrounds from different walks of lives where at some point or another where our wanting to please either our children or our parents, we can get into idolatry. We can get to a point where when we are nurturing and looking after our own children, we overdo it, we overlove. 
Proverbs challenges us to take a little bit of something to work them a little bit. They will not die. It says they will not die. It's a discipline. Unfortunately, the context in which we live, because there have been extreme abuses in the world, the world has come back and say, don't do it. But it's another extreme if you don't do it. I would prefer to take a balance. That don't over-discipline your children, always working them unnecessarily. But don't also withhold that either. Do it with a balance. Perhaps the counsel that we always give to the, parent, to the parents, especially younger parents, is that when a child has done something that you know it deserves a little bit of a discipline, what you need to do is take a walk first, breathe 17 times, come back, <laughs> count one, two, three, then you can always say, hey, Johnny, this is not right. Then your anger is not there. You're not exerting unnecessary effort. You are actually trying to bring the child into the right world. We spoil children. As we were driving here, I was listening to Steve Vicker. I think it's his name in the, on the radio. He was talking of the way we sometimes are failing to relate in a family because of gadgets, because of indiscipline, and we are overdoing it. A child can sit there and in their bedroom, you don't know what they are chatting and who they are talking to. There has to be a little bit of a control. And also, even when we are always with our individualistic tendencies, we can miss a family in the home whilst we are all there. We are being challenged to love one another, to have time for each other, and perhaps even have one meal together at least once a day. It goes without saying that is quite common for some, but other people that is very difficult because of the busy world that we live in. Am I speaking to someone here? Yes, we don't have time. We are always busy. We are trying to make money. We are trying to make ends meet. As a result, some children actually just have got to imagine who daddy looks like because they see him on a photograph. Family is important. We need it. I'm also going back to the point where we realize that another extreme that happens within the African context and other cultures as well is that um, we are asked by those of our parents. We don't have that perhaps with immediate families because of the generation understanding that we no longer have to do ancestor worship, but in other people, maybe some of you here are already involved. You don't do it intentionally, perhaps out of innocence. You follow when your parents say, I want you home because we're doing this, that, and the other. You feel like it's good to obey my parents to go and join in. And sometimes you find yourself indulging in the wrong God. Sometimes you do it not because you're so innocent, but you're really just ignorant. You don't know. You just don't know what God thinks about you worshiping another God. It takes few readings in the commandments. God tells us that he is a very jealous God. He doesn't want anyone to worship any other person. But as a family, perhaps you are invited. You're compelled and you feel like you want to join in. And I've got some things that I would like to tell you. Before I read some scriptures, I've got something that I want to, to, to tell. This is my own story. 
When I began to know the Lord, that was 1974, the first person I really wanted to tell was my mother. So I ran and I went to tell her. I said, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. She was a little surprised because she thought I was. I've been going to church with her all the time. So she said, mm, okay, that's very good. And I went on to tell my father. My father didn't also get highly concerned because he was not a believer himself. So I said, oh, that's okay. Little did he know that the next few weeks to come, there were some things that were supposed to be happening in my home, uh, uh, at home in my countryside. So he said, we are going there, we are going to offer some things because in our tribe, the ancestral worship is a big thing because we are a clan of the, of, uh, of the, of the uh, not quite the chiefs, but headmen. We are a headman. So when things are troubling the families, we are called up, we are supposed to do things. So my dad says, we are going. Then I said, no thanks, I'm not going. He says, why? I said, I'm a Christian. He did not understand that because in my tribe with my family members, my cousins and my uncles, there are many who make claim that they are Christians and still participate in those things. So my father was really confused. He said, what do you mean a Christian? We know all of the people in the clan are Christians. Why do you not want to participate in the family affairs? I just want to cut the story short, but we had a conflict. We have never had one of it. It had never happened before. It has never happened thereafter. But that conflict lasted three years. We could not talk to each other. Yeah? Because we were different people. I had chosen to follow Jesus. I had chosen to live a life of dependence on Jesus Christ, not on anything else. Apparently, for some of you who do not know, if you do not participate in the things of your clan, within your family, everything that's bad is thrown at you. So you are vulnerable. And many of the people fear that. As a result, you follow sheepishly, and perhaps we say, I am busy, but here's the money. Do whatever you can do. Do I have a witness here? Some people compromise because you do not know where you really stand. I had made a decision that following Jesus means that even those, even though Ephesians say obey your parents, there's a cutoff point of where I obey my parents. This is one of them where I'll say, parent, I love you so much. I can do anything in the world to make sure that you know that I'm your son and I belong here. But when, it, when you cross the line to go this far, I am not there with you. And that's tough. That's what Jesus is talking about. That when you decide to follow, when you decide to love me, love me wholeheartedly. And that is just my story. Maybe some of you are not tempted that way because the world has since developed thereafter. And I guess even the couples like Simba and Rudo don't, don't have to go through that as children from us because I, we no longer make those kind of commands and demands because we know the Lord. 
But not all of us are fortunate enough to have parents that follow the Lord. Therefore, they will still come in and ask us to participate in the things that we know are not pleasing to God. But perhaps you don't know that it doesn't please the Lord. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. It's a very interesting scripture. Some of you may have never come across this one. Maybe you read the Bible, but you didn't see this and what it is saying. This is what it says. Perhaps I'll read what's on the screen because it's easier. My eyes are falling short. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums, and the necromancers who chip and matter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they not inquire, uh, should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? If you did not know that it existed, God does not allow us to go and find out about our future and plans and everything else to those that are departed when we have got a living God. That is very straightforward. Just in case you do not understand what he's saying. In that time, there were many people, including kings of Israel. The Jews have attendance of this. They make inquiries. And some of you may have heard of stories where even some guy went to the king and say, hey, call for me this prophet. I want to talk to him. And maybe uh, it's in the Bible, but it doesn't mean that we are allowed to do that. We find Isaiah carrying on and, and verse chapter 19, verse 3. And he says, he was challenging the Egyptians and, and the spirit of the Egyptians within them will be emptied to do, will, con uh, will confound their counsel and they will inquire of the idol and the sorcerers and the mediums and the necromancers. Another scripture, maybe if you are taking notes, you can just have this. Isaiah 29, verse 4, and he says, And you will be brought low from the earth. You shall speak, and from the dust your speech will be bowed down. Your voice shall uh, come from the ground like the voice of a ghost, and from the dust of the speed whisper. It carries on. There are many other scriptures. Scriptures like Leviticus 20, verse 6, which says, If a person... This is very specific. If a person turns to me, to mediums and to necromancers, warring after them, I'll set my fist against that person and I'll cut him off from among his people. That's a stronger word, isn't it? If one of you have a chance in which you tend to look into those spirits or to those people, to those departed. God says, I'll cut you off. That is what he was saying to his own people, the Jews. Now imagine yourself a Gentile, how much more, what he will, he do, will he do? In other words, he's actually just trying to tell us that he is not only a jealous God. He is a God who has a full protection on us. He can protect us when we turn to him. The fear that, uh, the reason why most of us tend to worship those things and those other uh, things that come our way is because we are afraid of being alone. We are afraid of left uh, to fend for ourselves. God makes a promise that he will look after us. I'm not going to do any more of this, but I just want you to know that God loves family. 
so much that he wants us to obey our parents. He loves us so much that he wants us to obey and not to provoke our children. He loves us so much that he wants us to be a kingdom people that belong to him and know the, his protection on us. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to indulge into other things. I've just narrated my own story of an African. Some of you are not Africans, you say, I'm safe. But there are many things that we indulge in with the spirits, the spiritual world. I know of some people who have, after maybe a loss, and they're so desperate and they're feeling that they need to connect, and they go to the spirit mediums. They say, please, I'm missing my husband. And they say, okay, come at such, such a time. And the spirit is invited and the guy speaks. Those things speak into the one's life and give them calm and tell, tell them to be okay, things are all right. And that's indulging. God does not enjoy that. Family means that we know if we don't have our biological family, we have family here. If you're making a consideration of what, what you want to do with your life, find a family here. Church is a place. In fact, Jesus expresses it this way when he says, you are my brothers and my sisters. He expresses it in such a way that he's not only needing a place himself, but he wanted those without a place to find a place. When he's saying, you are my brothers and my sisters, he was not saying, I'm so desperate, I don't have any. Maybe Mary and Joseph didn't have many children. He had enough, but he was saying, in the kingdom of God, at eternal, at eternity, we will be many. If you want, you can check with me from Revelation chapter, uh, this will be like my last scripture, I think. Uh, in Revelation chapter 7, I think, let me be sure. It's the last book of the Bible. He talks of family, and he talks of what will happen when people gather together. Of course, this was John seeing a vision and he was seeing some stuff that would happen at the end. Revelation 7. Some of you have had those arguments of the 144 people and the Jehovah's Witnesses will argue and say, not many of you will go to heaven, only 144,000. Uh, they misunderstand a few things. But after all the tribes of Judah, in their numbers, when they've all had a place, then John comes and he says, verse 9, Revelation 7, verse 9, he says, After these things I saw, and behold, a great multitude which no man could number, out of every nation, and of all tribes, and peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, arrayed in the white robes and palms in their hands. What were they doing? And they cried with a loud, great voice, saying, Salvation is our, unto our God. He is seated on the throne. And all the angels were standing around about the throne. And the elders and the four living creatures, they fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. I want you to take note 
on verse 9, the number of people that were there, no one could count according to John. Perhaps he was illiterate or perhaps he was like uh, some other people who can't give uh, proper numbering. But when he said this, he says, these things, when I saw there was a great multitude, this multitude were formed from every nation and all the tribes and all the peoples and various people spoke different languages. They were all standing before the throne of God. That's the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, the family is larger. The family is big. But we start right here. We start right here to belong. We start right here. I'm persuading you to make up your mind to belong to a church, to belong to a fellowship, to be part of the kingdom of God. But at the same time, to make a choice of the kind of God, when you have chosen to follow this God, follow him and him alone without many other. Many people are so mixed up. They come to church like now. We are all together here celebrating. We have had a wonderful time of worship. But any other day after here, we live another lifestyle. That's not a family style life. Our tribe or our people, the people of the kingdom of God, are holy. We chose only one God, and that is the God we love. As a family, we make a selection, we make a choice that we want to follow just God through Jesus Christ and him alone, not any other. As a family, we choose to obey, to obey our parents. As a family, we choose not to provoke our children to live in harmony, to live wholesomely, to give space to each other that in families, family time is meaningful. Don't underestimate what can happen when we celebrate and when we sit together as a family. God wants us to be like that. In closing, I want to just say, God has so much time for you as a family. Will you make time for him? God has time for you. He loves you so dearly that you also need to make that much time for him. May the Lord richly bless you. Amen. You have been listening to a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org.